0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, February 7th. We are breaking down a seven game NBA slate. And one of the topics we definitely need to discuss is the key number of seven and how to handle that in some of these spreads. I think 666 is a bad omen, right? It's not 777. If so, I just set myself up for some brutal failure today, but I think we'll be all right. Anyways. Your boy is back from vacation, baby. It was a needed and important week off, especially in like the weird silly season. That is like January of NBA betting with all these blowouts. So I'm actually glad I took a week off of some action. I also had a great time. I saw Gibby. Of course, we all know Gib, most frequent guest on the pod. I think he might be on tomorrow. We could reminisce about that and seeing each other in person for the first time in years. That's my best friend in the world. First time I saw him in years. Uh, I saw a lot of family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins, a lot of uh, fiddle and my mom's side down in Florida. So it was really nice to see all of them. Then I headed to the west side of Florida for my old college roommate's wedding, another one of my best friends. I was a groomsman in the wedding, and I think you could call it an eventful uh, evening, and outing. It was definitely a fun, fun night. Some stories to be told. I'm definitely not going to go over wedding stories when I'm solo and talking to myself. But maybe when we have Gibby, maybe when we have A.V., someone who definitely knows my old roommate. Shout out, Cody. He was a good dude. I miss him. It was freaking great to see everyone this weekend. Uh, Anyways, we are back. We are going to crush some of these lines. We have some really good spots to talk about. And let's start breaking it all down. I'm going to try to get shit done you the type to observe, March menace on my speakers, but today's November 23rd, got something loud in the blunt, yeah, I do not say what I want, yeah, probably somewhere sunny and tan. foreign women in the sun, yeah, that's all that I need, that's all that I need, that's all that I need, got my brothers with me, got my brothers with me, and my mama's healthy, that's all that I need. Alright everyone, welcome in. Before we get officially started on going through these seven games and all of the handicapping angles, best bets, unit exposure, directions of these sharp spots, and so much more that explains the process behind what I'm doing, I just have a few things I want to start off with. Three main housekeeping things, two of them some of you will be used to, but the first one is I've noticed a lot of new listeners on the pod, which thank you to everybody tuning in definitely means a lot to me. Every single time I've been putting out a new episode these last few weeks, it immediately lands in my top 5 most downloaded episodes ever. And that's like even multiple episodes a week, just boom 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 in the top 5. So I know that this is getting a lot more listens and I know a lot more new ears are tuning in. So for that reason, I am going to kind of slow down a bit, kind of hit some of the basics again that some of the people who have been tuning into this might be very familiar with. And of course, me going over the basics is just a great refresher reminder, and it's really important to have these things on lock. Like, I often talk about comparing how you're sports gambling to how you are approaching a blackjack table, and you got to know if you got an 11 with a dealer show and a six up, it's an instant double. Like, some of these things and some of these moves need to become innate to how you approach a sportsbook market, so hitting these basics will help us all. Uh Second keynote, make sure you're following me on Twitter at FiddlesPicks. Make sure you are signed up for my free gambling newsletter, fiddlespicks.substack.com. That is the most important place to follow along with my content because I send all of my picks with detailed unit exposure and write ups. I also do some free giveaways every now and then. I also send out all of my podcast links through there. So you will get all of my content by following me on Twitter and subscribing to my free newsletter. All of it is completely free. And third, I'm going to share the FanDuel odds screen as I go through this show. If you're watching on the Fantasy Basketball International YouTube channel, shout out to FBI. If you are a fantasy basketball player, definitely go check out the FBI website. Join the FBI Discord. It's a really active place. Check out some of the other creators in their space, like... B dub at hidden upside, like Adam King at Adam King 91, like Noah Rubin. These guys are all absolutely crushing it in the FBI space. So make sure you go check out their work as well. But like I said, I'm going, if you're watching this on the YouTube version, I am going to share the FanDuel odd screen for the sole reason that I think it presents best on the board. I think it. It allows me to light up the right spots that I want to talk about. It allows me to bring up some of the betting splits, some of the recent trends in win-loss, some of the ATS records on over-unders. You can see that all from the FanDuel odd screen. So when I'm going through a show, I really always like to show this FanDuel odd screen. Some of my bets, it doesn't mean all of my bets are at FanDuel and at these current numbers. I will make sure to point out what bet I have at what number and where the best number is on the board. It is really important to line shop. It is really important to get the best number available. If you're looking at Pelicans versus uh, Clippers right now, and you want the Pelicans side, it's plus 6.5 on FanDuel, but you could go over to DraftKings and get plus 7. And we're going to get into the 6.5 and the 7, but let's refresh it right here. The 7 is the most common outcome in NBA games. So if you're going to forego getting that hook and you're going to play a 6.5 just because you don't have access to the seven, wake the fuck up. Go get DraftKings. Make sure you line shop. Make sure you play best number and make sure you win on the margins because that makes a big deal when you're playing with volume or with large amounts of exposure. These things will help you win on the margins and that will be the difference between break even, profitable or slightly losing. Make sense? Sound good? Shall we get it going? All right. I'm sharing the odd screen right now. And we are going to start this off with talking about, we're just going, going chronologically right now, the Toronto Raptors at the Charlotte Hornets. We have LaMelo Ball out for this game, already confirmed 10 hours ago. It is in Charlotte. The Toronto Raptors are the road team. Both of these teams are mightily struggling right now. Mightily, mightily. They, whether it be because of the trades, Rozier gone, Siakam gone, Ananobi gone. There's a huge talent deficit leaving these teams. Toronto Raptors are two and twelve in their last fourteen. Charlotte Hornets said two and twelve in your last fourteen. I see you and I raise you a few more losses. I'll be 2-15 and in my last 17. So this is a battle for a top-five pick. Uh, We call the Toronto Raptors the We the North team. They are dropping precipitously south in the standings. They floated a little bit to start the year when they had the Siakam and Anobi. I guess they didn't do good enough. They sold parts. Now it's a sinking ship. I think they owe who is it like San Antonio or someone, a top six protected pick. So I think that one's going to be really interesting to watch later in the season. Do the Raptors try and eke out a few wins? I think they're the seventh worst team in the NBA. Do they try to eke out a few wins and get back above that? Um, Or do they potentially give away the seventh pick in the draft? If they don't move up, if they finish seventh, but the lottery odds don't slide them up a pick so they could keep it. They could potentially give away the seventh pick. So, definitely some things to watch with the Toronto Raptors draft. They're going to be trying. We saw this line open at minus five. It has now moved to Toronto Raptors minus 6.5. That is likely due to the LaMelo ball con- confirmation of being out. We also have some good splits that do show the clear money is on Toronto. Here at FanDuel, we're seeing 52% of the bets and 57% of the money. So, the bigger bets and generally the sharp action that you're following would be on the Toronto Raptors on this side in accordance with the line movement of -5 to -6.5 but but when you've moved that much -5 to -6.5 and when you're a road favorite of a struggling team like you may be the sharp side you may be going against another team with an injured superstar star Let's not even get into that debate. I don't want to play it. You might still be getting the minus 6.5 before the key number of of seven, the most important number in NBA betting. You might look at that and say, wow, let me grab that 6.5. Hold the phone. This line opened at minus five. Five is the second most common outcome. Six is the third most common outcome. So, even though you're getting this number at the hook before the first most common outcome, you've still lost two and three as push or winning numbers in taking Toronto Raptors minus five initially when it was first posted. So, a lot of value is foregone in not getting the right side of some of these key numbers. And then again, you're backing a really struggling team on the road to win by seven while the game total is also going down. So, now let's correlate how some of these spreads and some of these totals work together. If this is going to be a really high scoring game, there's more options. There's more outcome combinations for the Raptors to cover a seven point spread. This total opened at 226. It's now 225 at FanDuel. I played this at 225.5, which is currently available at BetMGM and PointsBet. And DraftKings. Bet MGM, points bet, and DraftKings all have 225.5 right now available. And that is where I bet it for three quarters of a unit. We had some reverse line movement also happening on this game. Now, how much is that related to LaMelo ball injury? Probably a good bit because he's a very pace-up player. But we had 30% of the bets, 38% of the money on the under, which means there's volume and there's money on the over. There's 70% of bet tickets. There's 62% of the money on the over for this game. And yet the line is still moving the other direction south. Now, that's what we call reverse line movement. We need to contextualize it and know how much of that reverse line movement is correlated to the injury news. The answer that I that I have for that is I can't tell you right now. I can't tell you for, sure, for certain that's clear RLM or that's a repricing based on the injury news. I did not see the line move in correspondence with when the LaMelo news came out. So I don't know when it moved versus if it was, you know, I don't want to time it and contextualize it for you guys. We either have a repricing or an RLM situation happening. But we do have the whole board starting to move south. There's 225s or 224.5s already popping up. So simply grabbing the best number available while the entire board is trending south is a sign-me-up kind of scenario. There might not be a ton of value, which is why I only played it for three quarters of a unit. Although, basketball-wise, and I know I'm getting really deep in this Raptors-Hornets game. There's three people watching this Raptors-Hornets game. Three types of people watching this Raptors Hornets game. Raptors fans, the Lone Hornets fan, and people like me who bet the game. So let's hope for a slog fest. Uh Raptors and Hornets both brutally struggling to reach 110 recently. Go look at their last 10 games each. Count how many times they even eclipsed to 110 in their scores. It ain't much. I think I think Charlotte's seven of their last 10 under 110. And I think Toronto's nine of their last 11 under 110. And I believe one of the times Toronto did it was a double OT game. So like poor, poor performance. And yet the Raptors scoring less than 110 in nine of their last 11 are six and a half point favorites. And yet this total still at 225.5. So go grab that up. We even have the 225 here juiced to minus 112. So that's an indicator that This line is closer to going to 224.5 at FanDuel than it is to going back up to 225.5. All right, that was a lot of noise to talk about a really, really shitty game. But it is the first game on, so we'll have some extra eyes. Um, Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Wizards. Cavaliers getting a little bit of the uh, early movement in the spread. It's gone from minus 10.5 to consensus minus 11. That's not noise that I'm interested in. I understand the Cavs are playing fantastic basketball. I understand the Wizards are one of the most disappointing teams in the league this year. They were going to be bad, but they're even worse than bad. Um, the thing that I wanted to talk about for this game is understanding when a market has stabilized. This line opened at 237 and a half. is now gone to 234 and a half. But it consensus went down to 234. And then there's been some spots that go back up to 235 and a half. So my read on this is that that 234.5 right now is probably where it lands, 234.5, 235, maybe 234. It's going to hover right in the zone. So having missed that three points of line movement means the market has stabilized and there's no real value to be gained. And I want to just kind of slow that down one more time and explain it. That might have been a little fast. We're doing basics again, and I'm already getting too complicated. If a number opens at 237 and a half and universally goes down to 234 and a half and then some places start bringing it back up to 235.5 the phrase that I like to use is it's met its resistance point. Okay. People who grabbed under 237 and a half we're not re-entering the market at under 234 and a half. Or maybe people who wanted the over and saw it trending the other way thought, okay, now at 234 and a half is my time to strike. So given the fact that it hit its it bounced back up even when it was coming down, it's now going both directions. Mixed signals, stabilized market, stay the fuck away. So I have no bets on that game. I just thought it was an uh, important topic to explain that it's that's how you recognize a stable market. And when you see a stable market, like I don't care what you think about the game. I don't care what you think this pace is going to be or whatever. Like you want to have value on your tickets. I don't care if you think this team defends the three really well, or this person's injured or I it doesn't matter. This is all baked into a line, which the, the, The algorithms pricing these lines and taking action on these lines is so much more sophisticated than what you're coming up with. So understand where the market has stabilized and say if there's no value in playing into a flat market, then forego your basketball opinion. If you end up getting it right, pat yourself on the back. I don't think we need to, you know, kill ourselves over a a missed potential win in Cavaliers Wizards. Let's talk about the Warriors. The 76ers, of course, no Joel Embiid. So I highlighted the over here. I'm going to undo the ones that I don't have action on. I just wanted to talk about those spots and then we'll review the ones I have action on at the end. Okay. Warriors at 76ers. I want to talk about the over here because with Embiid being out recently, we have seen pretty much a universal trend. It's not really a results trend it's a line movement trend the opening line is going north in these 76ers games inevitably they are playing more small ball they're playing more b-ball paul at the five they are playing more just run and gun maxi asking tobias to be more of a creator doing a lot more with a guy like patrick beverly so they're becoming a more pace up team and they lost a key defensive presence and they lost someone who liked to kind of sit with the ball right at that elbow and just wait for two or three seconds and evaluate. And though, though Joel did it with insane efficiency and though Joel could get to the line at will his defensive prowess and his tendency to play a little slow on offense, comparative to the way they play without him means that when Joel sits now he's going to have an extended absence. We have seen a recent trend in the opening line going higher. So this one opened at 236 or 236.5. It's already up to 237.5. Probably, that's probably where it should be. I don't think there's good value in it. Eventually, this won't last. Eventually, there's going to be ones where it starts to go the other way and the market is corrected and it's, and it's reached, again, it's reached its resistance point. But for now, keep eyes on 76ers totals right when they open. And if it's an over that you think you like, grab it. If it's an under you think you like, wait and evaluate some market. The, the one bet that I do have on this game, and an important thing to talk about in terms of key numbers again, we talked about the seven being a key number. Now let's talk about, let's talk about some irrelevant numbers, I guess. Uh, we have the Golden State Warriors now minus two. I grabbed this originally at Golden State Warriors minus one, and I grabbed it for three quarters of a unit because I've talked about it a lot around here, guys. And if you're new, welcome. Let me complain to you about how irrelevant the number one is in NBA spreads. It is the 11th most common outcome in NBA games. NBA games do not frequently land in a one-point game. It happens about 4% of the time. So, This is an infrequent outcome. So when a line, it's also, you can't tie. So when a line moves through the one, it's less movement than it is digits. Of course, going from minus one to plus one is two digits on the scale. It is one number in terms of NBA movement. So if we're prioritizing line movement and we're prioritizing the value of certain numbers, you're getting less movement than it really is. And you're getting it at an irrelevant number, semi-irrelevant. Not a key number is the right way to say it. Every number is somewhat relevant. So I originally played this for three quarters of a unit at minus one. Then I saw the board go to minus two or minus 2.5. While there was one remaining minus 1.5 at minus 105 juice. So I simply grabbed that for another quarter unit. And I pretty much have one unit dispersed on this line between the one and the two, the one and the 1.5. Now, if I'm going to go find the best line for this game, you can get the minus two pretty much universally available. The lowest juice is minus 109 at Bet Rivers. I am OK playing that. Maybe you play that for three quarters of a unit. Again, you might push on the two. I do not think it's going to be a one point game. The last time I did this on a podcast where I said it's probably not going to be a one-point game was a Warriors-Kings game in which it landed as a one-point game. So, fuck me, right? Yeah, that sucked. I And I played the minus 1.5 on the spread in that instance, and I was explaining how the money line didn't make sense. And then, of course, egg on my face, it landed in the spot where the money line would have saved you and then taking the spread cost you. So, shit happens. Um, heat Spurs... I don't really have any bets. It's been a wonky back and forth market. It seems like it's a bit of an under market, but again, so much of this is related to the way the Heat are doing injury news, and it's kind of hard to know who's going to play or come and go. Um, They've been bouncing Hero and Butler and all those guys in and out of the lineup. Kevin Love. So uh, that's that's kind of a wait till shoot around if you really want any action on that game. Or if you just want to forego it in general, that would probably be my preference. The Hawks-Celtics, I mean, I remember this this matchup well from last year's playoffs. And you might say, well, Derek White becoming a more prominent role on the offense and defense for the Celtics. The addition of Drew Holiday. Fellas, Trey Young's fucking cooking. Like, I understand the Celtics have great guard defense, but Trey Young is like... uh. Like he's he's pretty much he's pretty much is what 30 and nearly 10 assists every game, 27 and 10 every game. So I have no fears backing it over in this spot. It's I got it at 244 at minus 105, and I played it for I think three quarters of a unit. Uh it's a matchup thing. I expect Boston to shoot and shoot well. I expect Atlanta to run a lot of pick and rolls, which is going to switch a lot of defenders for Boston. Boston's willing to switch, but it, it, it opens up a few holes for the for Trey to kind of hit his floater or have some miscues on the Celtics' side. The problem with the Celtics switching so much against a team that wants them to switch so much is that the Hawks will react pretty fast and make you pay for some of the late switches. So both offenses should be humming. I played the over 244. Let me see where that is available. Oh, there's even a 243 available now. That stinks for me. 243 available at DraftKings. Maybe you want to skip it. If I'm on the wrong side of this market, still 244.5 at FanDuel. Let me go quickly check the betting splits for this. Still good money towards the over. 70% of the money, 59% of the bets. Maybe some injury news came out while I started to record or something. Uh, definitely weird. Maybe stay away from that game or recheck in with it. Uh, I already bet it, so my money's in. Um, let's go back to this. Pistons traveling to the Kings. I got It's, it's a really flat market. The, the total came down a few points. It's very settled at the 242. Kings are a very fast-moving team. Uh, Detroit Pistons are playing with a lot of three-point volume recently. That's been the, the key Monty switch over the last month, month and a half. Beginning of the season, there was they were attempting threes with the least amount of frequency and with the worst efficiency, and they were they really just take their under team. Then they just switch the script heavily, and now they just jack up threes and play a lot of five-out ball. It's pretty bizarre. Um, I think it's pretty much a flat market. Again, I'm seeing some of the numbers change right now. Uh, it's just been bouncing back and forth around these ranges, and I think they're fairly priced. The Pelicans-Clippers game is a fun one to talk about. Not only because I have a big old bet on the under, but because the spread is also showing me some weird signals. And It's like, how do you read into some of these signals? Where do you play it? How do you time this appropriately? Um, I tweeted out a picture of the DraftKings lines, and I said... Pelicans Clippers under 235 is the most valuable line on the entire board. Now it's 233.5 I think at the highest place. Uh even 232.5 starting to show up. And I really think this is going to keep going even lower maybe. 231 would be ideal. That seems fair. Um I played it for 3 units and I plan to play it back for probably 1 or 1.5. Uh It's a really strong underspot. I was talking to another action network handicapper, Andrew O'Connor Watts, who we will definitely have on the pod in due time after the Super Bowl when we start upping the amount of NBA pods we're doing. He's got a model and he can't handicaps via a model I handicap via line movement and tracking all of these indicators. So definitely two different approaches but we both really liked the Pelicans plus 6.5. And a lot of this was travel related. The Pelicans are on the first game of their road trip going to LA. So you like first game road trip for teams. You have the Clippers on the first game home after seven games on the road. So why do teams struggle on the first game home? The little human element of it that kind of makes sense is like, does Paul George, does Paul George have kids? Let's assume PG has a few kids. I don't really know. Uh, But if PG's got a family and kids and he's been gone for seven days and he gets back home, it's, Daddy, let me do this. Let me show you this. Let me whatever. Honey, can you help me with this? Can you do these few things? Or, like, let's have our us date time and watch a movie or go out for dinner or whatever. These players get swamped with some family life when they come home after a long road trip. They are human, too. They have things at home that they need to take care of. So you immediately have less Less rest and preparation time in the first game home than you normally would expect. We see it in football when a team's been gone on the road for like two weeks in a row. It's a prime spot. Jacksonville was on the road uh, in London two weeks in a row this year. They came home and won, and I (laughs) lost one of the biggest bets of the NFL season. Great example to use. But no, this is the general concept holds true, and you fade those teams that have spent about two weeks on the road and Clippers seven NBA games is about two weeks on the road. So you fade them in the first game back. We also have the under again, beautiful, beautiful spot. I'm probably going to play that back. I really like that a lot. Let's talk about the um, 6.5 versus the seven. We know that's really important. You can grab the seven at some of the other books versus the 6.5 at FanDuel. So make sure you line shop. The reason why that's ticking back and forth between the 6.5 and the seven is because Zion Williams is Zion Williamson is questionable with a left heel foot contusion or whatever it is, bone contusion, left heel bone contusion. I think he's going to play. He was questionable and played with this two days ago, so you would expect him to suit up. Um, if that's if that's the key, we also have some clear sharp action on the Pelican side. So it's like, or or sharp splits they seem. There's 24% of the bets, but 74% of the money on the Pelicans. So, like, someone came in with a big bet on the Pels, and yet the line still went from 6.5 to 7. So, a weird way to correlate splits and movement, is that all related to the injury? Is that all related to the questionable tag? Should we just be expected for him to play? Uh, There's wonky situations to read for the spread, so I haven't bet it yet, despite me liking the Pelicans and situationally loving the travel spot that these teams find themselves in. But my under is definitely my very big position on this game. That is the one that I'm keeping up, which brings me. Oh man, FanDuel. All right. This this gives some clarity, guys. Do not bet this Hawks Celtics over. I bet it at 244. Luckily, I got it at minus 105 juice. Uh I, I'm I'm on the wrong side of the market. It just went to 243.5 here on FanDuel. If you're watching it, you could see it. I am going to be on the wrong side for that game. So it is going to be a game where I am in with my, what, three quarters of a unit of exposure. So I am going to need variance to be on my side. We are also seeing the same thing with Raptors Hornets, uh, 225.5. So I think I said points bet was where my bet was. Maybe I even cash out of that. If that's going to start backing back up, I don't know. I kind of like the under in that game. I'm going to keep that. So I have three quarters of a unit on the under 225.5 on Raptors Hornets. I have one unit on the Warriors minus one slash minus 1.5. I have three quarters of a unit on the over 244 Hawks Celtics, although it stinks. And I have three units on the under 235 Pelicans Clippers with a plan to play that back eventually. That will wrap us up for today's show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Did it a quick half hour. We had seven games to cover. I think we did it well. Make sure you are subscribed to my newsletter. Make sure you are following me on Twitter. Make sure you uh, rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Also, that would be phenomenal. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Like I said, these podcasts have been growing pretty rapidly. Every time I put out a new episode, top five in my downloads. So I really appreciate everyone tuning in. I hope that you guys are all beating the books with me. We have been doing great. I need to go back and update all my trackers and my stats. I will make sure that I do a detailed stats post uh, post Super Bowl. I will make sure I get that done this weekend. We have been doing really well. I'm up like 55-ish units this year. It's been absolutely dominant. Uh, We're going to keep it going. My best season ever. Is a plus 75 unit NBA season. I said at the beginning of this season, I did not expect to eclipse that. Right now, I expect to eclipse that. We also got to do a check-in with the futures market and my futures portfolio. Go on my Substack, everybody, and go check out my futures portfolio article that I did and see where everything stands. It is laughable how dominant it is. The Embiid injury, I had Embiid 10 to 1 for MVP. That was probably my strongest position, and that is completely fucked now. I have not gone and tried to, like, recoup and just bet some Jokic or whatever. Like, that Embiid ticket's dead. So to go in and try and, like, hedge off thinking I have a 10-to-1, I don't have a 10-to-1. I have a dead fucking ticket. So I'm actually just out of the MVP race. But the other futures that I have are so, so fucking dominant. So it's been awesome. Uh, It's been a great season. We will keep it rolling. And, again, thank you for everyone tuning in.